Strap yourself in because we're set up, switched on, and ready to go. This podcast is designed for small government contractors, service providers, and manufacturers, part of the government contractor ecosystem, connecting people, organizations, and resources. I'm your host, Just Nate, and this week on the podcast, we have Mr. John Aaron, uh, the founder and CEO of Aeronetics. Welcome, John. Thank you for having me, Nate. I really appreciate being here. As yes. a small government contractor, uh -huh. this is a gigantic benefit to share whatever we're going to share. So well, the dipcac should be that I'm here. That's right. The sharing is all about uh, you and the and your company. Um, so you and I have talked many many times. Um, why don't we? Why don't you kind of let the audience know how we kind of got introduced in the first place? You were here in. So where are you located first, right now? I'm in Westlake, Ohio. Westlake, Ohio. Okay. And we, you were in Colorado for some reason. Why were you in Colorado? How we, how did we meet? I was in, I was in Colorado Springs on my invitation to cohort eleven at the Catalyst Campus for Technology and Innovation, which is designed to influence the DoD's adoption of small emerging technologies, small government contractors, small innovators, and so what I've built was was invited. Okay. And that was cohort number 11. Is that correct? Yes. Cohort number 11 for defensive cyber operations in space. Okay. Well, why don't you tell me real quick uh, at a high level of what your company does and why you were invited to that defensive cyber in space? At a high level, Aeronetics built a digital technology that closes gaps utilizing zero trust, providing precise tamper-proof assurance and taking action against tomorrow's unknown threats. So you can actually trust and have truth to your data and your computer device today. And I was invited there because we're currently testing my software at an office within the national capital region. And there, I learned quite a few things about where my technology fits in the DoD ecosystem. Okay. So what made you invent this new technology? What was the uh, mother? Factor? The innovation is the mother of all innovations that I had this issue that I had to solve of a national state adversary hopping onto my network, and I had to at least be aware of it. Other three-letter agencies that are local around the United States said, Hey, you're savvy. You can take care of yourself. Okay. So it, it well, was born out of necessity. Yeah. It was okay. born out of necessity that I solved this issue in 2000. I had this issue probably 2013, 14, 15, 
16, 17, and I had enough of it. So after researching a few things on the market, I found none. And then researching the patent database of what actually was out there too, I found none. So this is now a patent pending digital technology that solves the, un that solves the unknown intrusion that the computer that we're both using to have this podcast on, we flip it open, turn it on and take that for granted. I have my own technology on my laptop talking to this computer, assuring me that it's behaving the way it should be behaving. And nobody that Windows 11 coming in. Yeah. Yeah, that Windows 11 is doing what Windows 11 is supposed to be doing. It's okay. brand new. It shouldn't have this issue. <laughs> shouldn't. As, a, as one of my uh, best mentors in the whole world used to say, uh, you just should it all over my shoes. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's one of those things that um, I hear that term thrown around all the time. Well, it shouldn't do that. It shouldn't do this. It shouldn't do that. Well, if it never did that, then people like you wouldn't exist, and we wouldn't have you going out and uh, inventing new technologies. Right, right, right. It we take for granted. We take that for granted, like the the DARPA AI challenge. Um, going to DEFCON this year with Hackasat to the Catalyst Campus to a lot of other stuff. Going to RSA this year, I happened to speak to the Dell business researcher, the innovator going to find other innovative companies. Serendipity meeting her, who is also in Denver. But it's really that we take these operations for granted. Uh, if you look up the super micro hack of what was added to the super micro motherboards, the China hack. There's a graphic I can share with everyone or whoever, but it's the whole motherboard and it zeroes down to here's the board without the controllers. Here's the board without the CPU. Here's everything, everything. And that little addition from China to that board was no larger than the tip of this pencil. And you can't see it if the board is built and cluttered and fulfilled and filled. Sure. You would never notice it. Especially with microelectronics nowadays. Yeah, it's so small, you can't notice it. So we have built this to mitigate that event, abnormal computer behavior. Okay, well. And that was an idea from 2018, which is now addressed as a problem for many other government offices. Okay, well, without going into uh, patents and all that kind of stuff, from a high level, bring it down to all my viewers out there, right? I mean, these, not every, not every listener, not every viewer on this podcast um, is going to be at your level, right? So let's bring it down to people what they, how, how you are different than a firewall. How are you different than McAfee virus scan? How are you different than those products out there? And more specifically, kind of what, if somebody wanted to call you up and say, hey, I like your tech, um, help me understand how I can implement it in what I do. So if you can break it down to that level, um, let's start there. So at that level, all you do to install it is just click install. So it's just software. It's software that lives on your machine. Okay. 
and it monitors and what's going on at the hardware level and software level or it monitors what's going on on hardware and software okay and on the human act the human behavior level so we're able to share with our listeners that that's Nate's cat walking all over the keyboard when you walk away okay, or that's Nate's coworker walk typing on the keyboard while you're not there typing okay and what does it do if it notices something that's irregular or is that it's not expected? I can't answer why, but we commonly take these computers called mobile phones with us nowadays everywhere you go. Okay. And so we provide the user five different options uh, to stop the process, to shut down the process, to pause the computer, to shut down the computer or just to let the process continue. Okay. So you, you're using a mobile device then to be notified if something's going on with your machine. Is that what I'm hearing? That's what you're hearing. That's accurate. Okay. Yes. We use mobile device in the commercial world. We also have a server application that mirrors a mobile device. Okay. That takes action of aberrant behaviors on a computer. All that, Computers, it could be on one machine or it could spread across a cluster of computers. Okay. So if you have a LAN party, you don't have to notify every mobile phone in the party. You have one dedicated program on a LAN server. Sure. That's to say that machine can belly up. Check that machine. Okay. And what... Um, you used the term earlier, uh, you used the term zero trust. Uh, I, that's one of the, one of my frustrations lately with uh, just DOD contracting in general is it's, it's all mm -hmm. about buzzwords, right? I, I hear agile, I hear artificial intelligence, machine learning, and zero trust is one of those nowadays that I'm hearing. Um, and Holy. it kind of means something different to every person that has a product that is zero trust is what I'm kind of finding out. How do you define your product is zero trust? I mean, what, what does it mean to you? I Nate, I never, not never. I, I declined using the phrase zero trust, okay. even though that's what this product all is because it's that native assurance that we need to have closing gaps in software problems on your machine. Okay. Many people at the campus, the Catalyst campus, or at other industry events on the East Coast have actually said to me out loud or written, your product is a full gap closer to zero trust ideologies. Okay. On one of my last podcasts with a large MNC, uh, like other ideologies, it's similar to what's written on paper. It's difficult to implement in society Marxism or Leninism. It's difficult to actually implement JADC2 or Zero Trust. So how do you actually do that? It's part of how we do it. But it's many of the people think that Zero Trust can be achieved by network flow or to advertise that they're using artificial intelligence or machine, machine learning to analyze network flow 
when really how I see the zero trust or how I see security is implicit to the machine itself. There's no network flow. If you are on an island somewhere using your computer, you would like to think the laptop you open in a box, out of the box, has not been tampered with. But you have no assurance that you have no assurance that that's the case. Correct. And so you have no industry has no reason not to adopt our software because they already know your first, your last, your mobile phone, street address uh, about you, right? And so why not use our software, already tie it to your mobile phone? That's your responsibility. We take security and put it back into the hands of the user. So when you open that box, you can actually use our technology and say, hey, this is the first time I logged in that device. All these changes, or this is a new device. This so, is the way it should be behaving. Exactly. And then going forward, any delta from there, it should then notify you, correct? Yep. So how... Fully. But you, you had brought up um, your scenario with a, a very small computer chip embedded on a motherboard, if you will, or, or a drive. Yeah. How, how does, how do you not, how do you notify that? Cause that's, that comes, that could be there from the beginning. Right. So are you, I'm assuming you guys totally. are monitoring, uh, other things that should not be going on and that's where your network modif- or, uh, monitoring comes in. Correct. Yes. In effect, in effect, yes. Um, okay. that, that, incident in history, the China hack was only found from the large volume of traffic going through the pipes. Yeah. If they kept it small, they would never have found it. It would still be going on today. Yeah. And and that's a good, good catch. That's just what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lucky catch. And so it's that style of recognition that we can do. Because that that sending isn't in itself a problem, right? The fact that it wasn't that it w- the fact that it was phoning out is not a problem. The problem wherein is that it was phoning out to our loosely friends in China, our adversaries. That's yeah, that's, Adversaries, that's, yeah. It's sending stuff places some place that it shouldn't be. I mean, ideally, that's. That's kind of the whole plan, uh, especially in, in the realm that we we play in. Are you, and I know we're going to get to a break here real quick, but are you uh, focusing on DOD or commercial and DOD, all of it? I mean, what, what is your focus? Currently focused on taking our technology worldwide through two worldwide providers, as well as DOD. Okay. Army, Air Force, DARPA, IARPA. Okay. The usual three, four, five letter mix within the national capital region. Correct. Okay, John. Well, let's, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I've got a ton more questions for you. So uh, we'll be right back. 
business owners looking for out-of-the-box solutions? Five Star Bank's Business Solutions Group is here to help you with all your financing needs. When you need a creative, innovative approach that goes beyond traditional solutions, think of Five Star Bank. We care about the growth of our local business community. With offices in Colorado Springs, Denver, and Trinidad, Five Star Bank is easy to find. Visit fivestar.bank to connect with us today. That's the number five, S-T-A-R dot bank. Equal housing lender member FDIC. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back to this week's Smallest Cast podcast. This week I have John Aaron from Aeronetics um, in, uh, well, not in studio with me, but actually on the podcast here uh, coming to me remote. Um, and uh, we were just kind of talking about his, his product, uh, not necessarily zero trust. We kind of talked about that as being a, a buzzword that everybody wants to use. Um, but his his capability or his software um, can help monitor and make sure that your system is not sending data where it doesn't need to go. Um, you know, that's that's kind of a big deal. That's the whole point of CMMC uh, coming out very soon. Uh, NIST 800-171, CMMC 1.0, 2.0. You know, all of that, everybody's trying to get on this bandwagon right now, trying to make sure that our, our secrets stay safe is really, the, really what it comes down to. Right, right. It's part of the JADC2 Zero Trust model, which is all classified, that there's all these other offices trying to defend their software. Yeah. Trying to defend the fact that they're trying to implement Zero Trust solutions. Correct. When really... When really I don't use, like we mentioned, I, I do use zero trust nowadays, but I really fault avert. I really avert to data ownership that you should own your own data. I, I, I definitely agree with that. So we were talking, and I shouldn't have oh, access go. to your data. I, like, no one needs access to your data. I mean, it's been proven sociologically time and time again, people say they don't need privacy, but they don't give up their passwords. Unless you're invited in, you're not allowed in. That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, so you had said that you were invited to the cohort number 11, um, and you were – what kind of kicked this off was probably a three-letter someplace on the, on the East Coast. Um, are – do you have – Are is your software currently um, at a TRL level 9 someplace? Is it being used uh, by the military anyplace or – it's not being widespread used by the military. It's being analyzed, investigated within the DOD IIS office. Okay. Does that mean that you also, are you looking to try to get a SIPR or a SBIR? I've applied to a few SIBRs, SBIRs, and I've applied to a few OTAs and ATOs. Okay. We're currently taking my technology on a marketplace that provides software for the DOD that I cannot mention by name that provides software to the DOD. <laughs> no, that's, that's good. Um, and you kind of got into it without having to go through that SBIR up front. Um, so if you found somebody that's going to be monitoring your stuff already, um, or I don't want to say monitor, but um, essentially 
taking it for a test co- test drive, right, to see if uh, how it works yes. for them. Um, by all means, I think that's that's one way of going about this because you are. So, how big is Aeronetics? You got a thousand employees, or what do you have? Nine people working all asynchronously. Okay. Uh, this was built during the mandated lockdown, and so the opportunity to network was severely limited. Yep. Uh, to go the co-founder was severely limited. To go find anything was severely limited. Okay. So I'm in Cleveland, and the ecosystem here is not dynamic enough. We are dynamic, but not dynamic such as what I would need. And so I travel considerably. Okay. Well, Cleveland is not exactly known for three-letter or DOD or that I'm aware of, right? Innovation. Correct. There's, yeah, yeah, that's accurate. There's not too much shaking here for what I've built, which it's unique to me, Nate, that my smiling face was on the poster board for the Greater Cleveland Partnership Emerging Technology Awards this fall. Congrats on that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to be pictured. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about a lot of things, but I'll throw in my towel on that. I'm not sure if it's advertising volume or advertising quality of what you need to supply. But really, talking to another gentleman I met at the campus, retired Lieutenant Colonel Austin, who I mentioned, like, hey, what would Cleveland think if a five-letter government agency signs off on that submission because there's none of that echoing in the local community. Correct. If there's, if my, if people know of my advisors to the IC, is it okay to say out loud at the award ceremony? True. There's none of that in the local community. Good question. There's a lot before it happens. (laughs) Correct. Yeah. (laughs) There's, we do have some stuff here. We have, we have baseball teams. We have museums. We have obvious nice stuff. We don't have a lot of traffic. We don't have a lot of drug use. We don't have a lot of societal problems. It makes it a wonderful place to live, but we don't have a ecosystem to really support this level of emerging technology startup. So, and that's kind of basically to a point. How did you get to Cleveland? I, what? What brought, are you born and raised from Cleveland or? I'm born and raised in Cleveland. Okay. Born and raised in Westwick. So and that's currently where I operate from. Were you a, a technologist before you were forced to become one? I had, I was lucky enough that sometime in the like 1990 or like 89, my father came back with a 386 DX2. All the other kids in the block either didn't have one or had a 386SX, a single thread machine versus the DX2, which is a double thread machine. Yep. And that was my first exposure to compute devices, as well as prior to that, having an Atari 3600. I think that's what that was. It was, you played games on it, sure, but it was a. It wasn't for like games, it was for typing and 
word processing. It was huh. basic. It well, was. I didn't have one of those. I did have every single Atari. I even had the original Atari where the remotes were not remote, where you you had two people. It was Pong, <laughs> right? You could sit with a friend yeah. next to the console between the two of you. One person would use the. And it was actually a, a, a roller on ball on the top with like one button, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And it was built into the console. So the console had to be in between us kids as we were sitting. Uh, I believe mom and dad still have that thing. I've been, I've been meaning to go grab that one of these times because it probably belongs in a museum someplace. But It, it kind of belongs in a museum. It's <laughs> old technology, and it's pretty cool to see how far we've come along. Well, what, John, what is, is your background, though? What, I mean, um, what, what, what did you do for a career prior to opening your own business? I suppose I'm a typical entrepreneur where the last real job I had was working at Kinko's making copies up in Boulder, Colorado. And in Boulder, Colorado, making copies, a a lady pulled me aside to be her web developer, web architect, and public affairs officer. Okay. Helping out Colorado state laws for uh, naloxone and syringe possession. Okay. So I helped pass those. Uh, my degree is in international relations, political science, and French. Okay. I that's had a doesn't really mean the same thing as what you're doing now. Uh, not at all, but it <laughs> definitely ties into my youth experience with computers. That I definitely was pretty deep into computer viruses and the evolution of AI and Bayesian algorithms and other unique math that we use nowadays to really impact the technology that I envisioned, that I dreamt like, hey, is this possible? Okay. Well, and you've got, I mean, you don't have a, I'm guessing you're not a software developer other than your, I mean, did you go back to school and get, uh, take programming classes? Did you teach yourself? I mean, you said you went to, you, you had a job where you're a web developer. Okay. Um, but I'm guessing, uh, your application, um, by the way, does it have a name? I call it Thor, like Thor. Thor's hammer. Okay. Does, does Thor, um, I'm assuming it's more than HTML. So you had to have some background in software development or learn it yourself, correct? Or team up with people or? I took a C++ database class once at Cleveland State University and got a B. It was okay. (laughs) B's and C's get degrees, man. Yes, they do. I I have a book uh, right there on the shelf about how to program C. Below it is the C++ crash course. I took C++ in college before I transferred to uh, international relations, political science, and French. And the C++ I know was just C++, but it was rebranded, here we are in time, to be C++ 1997. Uh, because we have plus plus 2004, I think, 2011, 14, 17. 
what I learned is definitely old. And so I took that knowledge and had to find developers to help me build what I envisioned. Okay. And that's, that's the way it should be, right? You don't have to do it all yourself. Right. And so during the lockdown, I took on a few American developers to assist with this project. Okay. So you, is that correct? You started the company in 2020? Thereabouts? I started the company in 2017, oh, okay. March of 17. And in June of 17, it was a sentinel severe event that put me back about two, three years, okay. unable to really work a lot. And so in 2019, I did a lot of customer discovery and really saying to people, hey, if I can stop the intrusion, if I can fully mitigate data ownership and return data privacy to you, would this be something that you want to buy? And, and then sure. yeah, if sure. I can solve that, they're like, yes, please. Yeah, of course. So are you looking at uh, selling Thor as a service or how are, you, how are you looking at doing this? I'm looking to license Thor in three-year terms. And so we're currently looking to license it dependent on your business, okay. your, your, your screen address. Not the volume of computers in your street address, not the volume of phones in your street address. Currently, the phone app is available on the Android or Apple Play Stores, Apple Store. Okay. For $3. $3 for a year, which is pretty cheap just okay. to have access to your machine. Okay. And what? To have that record that this is there. And what is that, that app called on the PlayStation? Or uh, it's not that PlayStation. Well, the Play Store or, or Apple Store? Uh, Aeronetics' is store. Okay. So suppose if your user looks up T-H-O-R and Aeronetics, A-R-O-N-E-T-I-C-S, it brings it up. Okay. Well, that's... Um, that's one way of getting it out there to get, get people to start testing it out. See, see how it works. That's the goal. That's the goal. And the other part of that goal is currently before we scale it up for uh, DOD use or for large spread global ecosystems, like the defense information systems agency spread around the world. We need to scale it up to your business size first. Sure. So I'm, wel I'm welcoming that discussion of how do we take this software and scale it to your 100 person business or 20 person business or 1000 people business. Okay. Because so, they're all kind of different. Yeah, that's, I was just going to say everybody's different. Plus the products that you're going to be monitoring will be different. Um, how, how often all that kind of stuff. Um, so now that you, you've got a few years behind you as your own business, mm -hmm. and a lot of my listeners out here are, are new small businesses as well, um, do you have any words of wisdom for, for somebody that may not be as far along as you 
um, and wanting to kind of follow in your footsteps as or footsteps as a new business owner. Um, do you have any recommendations for them or any any even one tip or trick of, of hey, you know what? I wish I would have known this when I started. Maybe I should have used, I don't know, this tool instead of this tool or whatever. Do you have any tips or tricks? Network, network, network. Hey. I remember hearing a small business director from NSA saying, network, network, network. Hmm. And that's what it, I can echo that. Network, network, like you have to get out of your cul-de-sac and take the chance and go network. And so I take the chance going to RSA. I took the chance going to DEF CON around the DC metro area, the national capital region. And it's all eventually paying off that I need to probably move to New York City, not DC. Okay. So I'll take the Amtrak. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can have the Amtrak. I'm, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, so, um, network, 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 uh, great. I mean, that's what, that's why we exist. That's why the smalls exist is to help small yeah. businesses network, collaborate and grow with one another. That's the whole point. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and you make a good point. A lot of people are, I don't know if it's because they're introverted or just scared to go out and actually just get out there and talk. Um, I see so many times, um, especially engineers, um, have a great product, have a great idea. They build this product, but then they, end up failing because just because you have a good product doesn't mean um, people are going to find out about it, right? You got to get your name out there. You got to get, get out there and talk to people, let them know what you've got. That's a famous quote that if you make it and you don't, and no, and you don't just, you don't spread to everyone of what you made. What's the point? Yeah, really is. Like I can, make something impactful worldwide. But if I don't leave my cul-de-sac, who cares? What's the point? It's the point. And so it's like in the age of everything, everyone has their own threat model. And so it's how do we restore normalcy to that threat model? I agree. So John, how do people get a hold of you? Do you have a website out there or? The website is aeronetics.com, A-R-O-N-E-T-I-C-S.com, and you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. The com- it's the easiest way. And there's also a link tree out there, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash aeronetics. I don't think I'm familiar with... Linktree. Linktree is a gift where you can put a lot of your stuff in there and you go to one place. So within Linktree, I have my Instagram, my LinkedIn, my Microsoft store, my Apple store, my Google store, my other Red Hat podcasts, other podcasts, nice, and my website. Okay, well, as soon it's as- one. We're done, and I get this thing posted. I will put that all in the show notes. Make sure that I get the the correct linkage out there for you, and uh, push it out. Thank you. So, John, I've enjoyed uh, listening to your story. Um, I, I'm big, big on the stories. Um, I have one last question for you. 
Um, and this one I usually ask people, I, I'm always interested in the story behind um, logos. So Ooh. do you have a logo and how did you get it designed? Did you do it yourself? Is there hidden messages inside your logo? The logo I use, Nate, is the angry cat from the 2019 New York Times on how the internet didn't turn out as intended. Okay. Because back in the 90s or later in the early 2000s, we had these ugly little annoying things called pop-ups. And so the first little pop-up is my logo. Okay. Which I use angry cat that it looks very, very disheveled and angry. Okay. That will currently be reduced from a Cleveland, Ohio artist who can reduce the image to a t-shirt. Yeah. Well, cool. I like it. I, I like I said, I, it, there's always these little, little things that I think that um, owners, CEOs, founders of companies, sometimes they don't put any thought into that. Um, and I find if, if, if you put just a little thought into it, you can not only sell your brand, you can tell people about your brand and it's part of your culture then at your company. As you grow from one person, nine people up to a thousand people as a company, um, you can get, mm -hmm. there, there's that story behind it. And I think that's very important. So thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Cause I think it's indicative when I share that story and mention that website, they go to the website and it's the first pop-up. Yeah. And how the internet went smithereens, and how it's all a dumpster bin, a dumpster fire nowadays. Uh, yeah, how well, do we I'm sure Facebook or places like that are going to disagree with us. They think it's the most wonderful thing ever. But I personally am not a fan of social media, just because I, th I like social media, and I think it has its place. I think we haven't put the proper, uh, I don't want to say constraints because that's the wrong term. Controls. Um, controls around it, right? Um, and and having very small children myself, I, I can't get their face out of these devices long enough mm -hmm. for them to even take the trash out. And it's very frustrating for me. And, of course, people on this on, listening are going to say, well, that's your fault as a parent. Um, I get that, and, and I take full responsibility, and I don't allow my kids much more than – uh, you know, an hour and 10 minutes or hour, 15 minutes a day on their devices. But when they, even when they are on it though, it's just like, they are just drawn in. So um, your it's dumpster a, fire is a good analysis. Yes. These things are risk management framework, dumpster fires. What's the risk? What's the framework? Yep. Well, John, I appreciate and your time on today's podcast and, uh, Thank you. We'll Welcome get this to be here. posted for you. And uh, for those that, that are out there, uh, want to contact John, uh, go ahead, go to www.aeronetics.com. That's A-R-O-N-E-T-I-C-S. Um, and then you can also go out to his link tree at L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E uh, and forward slash aeronetics, right? Yep, yep. Excellent. Um, well, with that being said, I appreciate everybody listening in this week. And until uh, next week, this is Just Nate signing off. Thanks for listening. You've reached the end of another episode of the Smalls Cast podcast. Connect with us at thesmalls.org. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials. See you at the next episode. See you at the next episode.